Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Jeff. I'm really glad to be here, and I mean that. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad the county didn't shut us down. We'll, uh, we'll be in touch with this, all the CDC regulations and the county's uh, you know, state, and you know, they've done a state of emergency just so they can uh, be ready, um, positioned in case this thing really gets out of hand here in Marin, which thanks be to God it isn't yet. And, uh, but if they are saying we got to shut down, watch social media, and we'll, and we'll do a remote uh, worship gathering. Won't that be fun? Yeah, some of you are like, we do that every week. It's pretty great. We, we have pancakes, and then we watch you on Tuesday on the internet. Yeah. Um, hashtag Sunday Fun Day. This is our, uh, how's your Lenten journey going, by the way? It's Lent, you know. Lent's the time leading up to, to Easter, and that's what uh, Michael was saying. We have a little mini Easter uh, celebration every Sunday during Lent. Some of us who are giving things up take a little break on Sunday to say, oh, the victory's here. Yeah, that's kind of cheating. But all right, if you need to do that, I hope it's going good. Uh, mine's caffeine. And, uh, and so I'm coming to you this morning on, on daylight savings at time during Lent without caffeine at the early service. So yeah. Like, I know. I seriously drew this short straw is what happened. So Linda is doing caffeine with me, my wife, and she's like, so it's Sunday. We got, we're going to get some caffeine this morning, right? And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that because it's chemicals, man, and I need to get it out of my body. It's been so good. I've had headaches, you guys. This is what, day 11? What's this? Yeah, I had headaches for nine days. Is that the worst? That is an evil drug. If the shoe fits, I don't know what you got to do, but I'm like, oh my gosh, caffeine. Anyway, I hope your Lenten journey is going well, and I pray that today is a, is a great celebration, that as you've been longing for the Lord during Lent, that even today you'll realize, oh, he's come, and we have a relationship with him. It's such good news. So this is our Sunday Fun Day, what, Why We Do What We Do uh, series, and um, you know, that meme, it really is funny. You know, Ben kind of put up some pictures. I've, did any of you go and Google or get on Insta and, and hashtag Sunday Fun Day to see what's out there? there? There's almost 50 million now hashtags of uh, Sunday Fun Day. And it's people who are just posting what they do on Sunday to go, this is such a great, sweet day. Like it's sort of life at its best happens on Sunday. And, and you go and you just spend, a f- like this morning, I was looking at it and all the pictures that were posted, you know, three minutes ago, seven minutes ago, you know, 44 minutes ago, all over the world, I'm just thousands of photos, I mean, were posted just today about Sunday, fun day. And as I, as I scroll through the things that they are looking at and that they're doing and they're posting saying, yeah, this is life at its best Sunday and how sweet, I'm like, man, the world is lame. That's all I get out of looking at it. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's, and then some people have gotten it wrong and they're like Sunday fun day, like sort of a, like a, like an edge to their humor. Like Sunday fun day got a, you know, had a root canal yesterday kind of a deal. Like, yeah, Sunday fun day, I wish. But ours is Sunday fun day. Like we're, if this is life at its fullest, us gathering together as God's people is going to be part of life at its fullest. And we're going to celebrate what it is that we do and kind of help us together maximize what it is that we do. And last week, Ben talked about the Lord's table and led us into that um, conversation so that we could understand more deeply so that when we come monthly and take communion together, then we're entering into it knowing, oh, this is a beautiful concept. If you didn't get to that sermon last week, it would be a great one for you to, um, to go stream and check it out. And this week, you guys, this week is um, about God's people gathered 
which is super funny and kind of ironic, isn't it, that we weren't even sure if we're going to be able to meet today. And we're certainly going to be some people who felt like it was prudent for them to stay home for whatever good reasons. And so, you know, I'm like, God's people gathered together is uh, what we're talking about as part of our, um, our, our series of what it is we do on Sundays. Here it is as a foundation, you guys. We are gathered. What, why are we here? We're gathered as a foundation for our doing life together. We're, we're gathered together. So this time on Sunday morning, we're gathered together as a foundation of this doing life together thing. It's a foundation of life together. It's, it's about us, just the beginning of relationships where we're going to walk in life together. That's what we do on Sunday mornings. We celebrate that foundation. Now, we don't do all of our walking together just on Sunday mornings, but Sunday morning is the foundation of that. Have you ever thought about why it is that you're here, by the way? Why are you here? Why did you come today? Have you ever thought about that? It feels good? Somebody else give me a couple others. Because you love to love God, yeah? Sing songs? To recenter? What's that, Bob? To get fed? Yeah. These are all, all of this stuff that we're talking about here, these are all the reasons God draws us together. And I have a proposition to make to you, and that is, it's not a proposition, I'm gonna gonna give you a, 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 a concept and see if you believe this, that all of those things are they take effect in your life because we're doing it together in this room. There's something about being together. I often start, every memorial I've ever done, I often start saying, it's a blessing to be together today because we need to be together in times like this, don't we? And that's what this is about, this whole God thing, all that we do on Sunday morning, the the getting fed by the word and being inspired by the worship and getting centered with all the truth there and the the, the restful, uh, quiet moments, all of that is embedded in this us gathering together as God's people in relationship. And this is just the beginning, the foundation of that relationship thing. Because this God thing, you guys, is about being together. It's always about being in relationship. This Jesus uh, Christian journey is always about us doing it together. We were never designed to do it separately. And that's why it's so powerful when you're in church. I know that many of us have, for, what, for only the, the biggest reasons in the world, would skip on Sunday morning. But when we skip on Sunday morning and we see the sermon or we hear the sermon later, like it might be good, but there's something about being in the midst of it, isn't there? When we listen to great worship music on our own in the car or on the bus or in our, in our quiet devotional moments, like when we listen to good worship music, like it's good, but there's something that happens in this room. Do you agree? It's about being together. And this is just the beginning of it, this room, this worship gathering. This is just the foundation of it all. I asked my uh, guys that I meet with, my small group guys, I asked them, why do you come? And every one of them, not one of them said anything. I was, I was really fishing for a compliment and not one of them gave me one. <laughs> Nobody said, man, because Jeff, you, the way you bring the word. Hey, Ben, no, we didn't get that. Everybody had some version of the answer. That's where my people are. Now, they weren't writing God out of the story. It's not a social club. What they're saying is, I'm coming to be fed in the word with my people. I'm coming to be inspired with the teaching and the stories that we hear 
because we're all together. I'm coming to sing worship songs to worship and glorify God because we're all together. There's something about being together that is part and parcel of the whole thing. So why we do what we do? We're gathered together because then it's the beginning, the foundation of relationships. And I hate the fact that we can't touch each other right now. You know that? This is a weird, that's, that's going to be really hard for me and all the other Italians in the room. I'm just telling you. This group over here, friends, when they all got here, you guys hugged and kissed. There was germs and slobber. Stay away from this group right over here. Because <laughs> you people are not reading the bulletins, apparently. <laughs> but we come to connect with one another. I want to read a very foundational verse uh, for you. It's going to be on the screen so you can look at it. It's from Hebrews chapter 10. It says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I want to look in this text and find a couple of things there to encourage us with, like what's, this, what's the power in this being together and, uh, uh, and re-inspire us around how we might maximize this opportunity to be God's people gathered. First, we see in the text, and it's not first in order, but I want you to see there that it says that uh, not giving up meeting together is contrasted with encouraging one another. I want to start with that, that we gather friends for the courage that we need. We gather for encouragement. We gather for the courage that we need. And before I talk about this story, you guys, many of you know that story of Derek Redmond from 1992 that uh, is a powerful story. Before I get to that story, though, I just want you to think about this idea of courage or encouragement. Encouragement, I didn't want to just start. I, I, I typed, when I typed my notes, I thought, uh, we gather for encouragement. And it just sounded kind of wimpy. Encouragement sounded a tad wimpy to me, but it's not. Because at the core of it, it's about finding courage. At the core of it, it's about giving one another courage to be the people that we are longing to be and that God has designed us to be. There's something powerful about this idea of encouraging one another. But we gather for courage, the courage that, that we need. Um, listen, encouragement happens for sure in the, all the reminders that we get at church. All the reminders, all the things of like, this is what I believe. Oh, this is true. This is what's truest about life. This is the, oh, right, God is, and I'm his, and he's been faithful to me, and I'm longing for him to come through, and I need him, and he's beautiful, and my heart was built to worship him. All of those reminders, that's great encouragement, isn't it? And when you forget, if you give up, or you fall into the habit of not being around, those things happen less and less in your heart and in your life. In fact, you know, if I had a dollar in my pastoral ministry for every time somebody said to me, well, I got out of the habit of going to church, and that was the preamble to talking about their struggles. And they often they say it like they didn't, you know, kind of check all the right boxes or they didn't uh, say the magic incantation words or whatever, like, like, like I, I stopped going to church and I'm like, oh gosh, it's not about church attendance. But what happened was all the reminders that they could have had in those times of what's truest, what's most real for us, they've missed. And slowly but surely, the courage that we need to be God's people wanes for folks. So for sure, there's this reminder thing. That's why it's so powerful to be together. But I think that there's something more sort of more uh, gritty and more pragmatic and more powerful 
powerful around the encouragement that happens. We actually get courage practically to come uh, uh, from people coming alongside us to help us with what we need to be God's man, to be God's woman. We actually have somebody come alongside us. That Derek Redmond story, go back to that slide. I, if you guys, um, if, you, if you remember the story, this is from 1992 Olympics, and he was a 400-meter racer from Great Britain. And he, you know, you know, every Olympic story is so powerful because these people dedicate their lives, right? I mean, all in on being the best in the, in the world at something. And, uh, and so Britain had put their hopes on him as this incredible runner. And uh, so here we are in the finals in, uh, in Barcelona. Right, Barcelona, is that where 92 was? Yeah. And gun goes off, around the, you know, uh, the track, and he's coming down the straightaway on the other side, and Derek Redmond pulls, uh, not pulls, tears a hamstring. And you see him just start you know, limping, and then he goes down on the track, and that, you know, agony of defeat moment, right, where he's just laying on the track with his hands in his face, and he's just like, I cannot, and it's just incredibly painful, and it's like everything he dreamed about being, everything that he longed to do, all of his goals, all of his heart, all of his effort, his whole life came crumbling down in that moment, and then he, people ran over to him, the, the staff ran over to him to, uh, you know, to figure out if they, he needed help. And he, he's like, no, at least I'm going to finish. Do you remember this? So he gets up and he starts running with a torn hamstring. And it's a, you got to Google it. It's just so powerful. And he's in this incredible pain. And then he's realizing he can't go on. And from the side, his dad runs in and puts his arm around him and holds him. And as he's in this angst and this loss, his dad physically helps him get all the way around to the finish line until he crosses. That image became so famous and that dad became such a picture for so many of us of that's what happens when we have people who come alongside us to help us do this life with God. Because every turn we have battles, every turn we have difficulties, every we have trials, we're constantly being beat down. We keep forgetting. We keep getting hurt. There's all kinds of ways in which we're not able to be the women of God and the men of God that we long to be and to have somebody come alongside us and help carry us to where it is we want to go. That's encouragement in this biblical word of being, um, of encouraging one another as opposed to stopping meeting together. It's practical help to go where we need to go, to be God's person. It reminds me of the text actually of in Exodus 17, which we won't turn to, but I'll just tell you the story and remind you of it. It's right early on in, the, in Israel's wandering in the desert after they escaped from slavery in Egypt. And they're in the desert. It's very early in the 40 years of wandering and the Amalekites come and attack them. And Moses, go, he orders Joshua to go take the army and to go fight the enemies. And he's like, are you kidding me? We just got rescued. We just got free to be God's people because that's not where God's people belong, in bondage, in slavery, not living out the freedom that God has given us. The miracles happen. I mean, when miracles happen in your life, you think it is smooth sailing now, baby. And all of a sudden, the Amalekites blindside them. 
Joshua has to go take the army and fight. And it says that Moses went to the top of the hill. Remember this? And he put the staff of God in his, in his hands and he raised up his arms, which is a picture of acknowledging that God is king and the Lord. And it says that as long as he held up his arms, the Israelites were winning. And when he ordered Joshua to go into battle, he also took with him two other people, Aaron and Hur, and said, you guys come alongside with me. And they went and stood next to him on top of the hill. And it became clear very quickly in the story why. Because as he held up his hands, the Israelites were winning the battle. When his hands got tired and he started to drop them. In other words, when he wasn't then, this is a picture. Hear the analogy, you guys. It was a picture of him acknowledging God, like you're the one God, that we live for. You're the one that brings life. You're the one that brings victory. You're the one that takes care of us. You're the one that provides for us. You're the one that calls us. You're the one that fulfills those dreams. Like you're it, God. As he acknowledged, when he acknowledged God, they were winning. But when his arms got tired because it's so hard to keep acknowledging God like that, come on now, right? That's life. When his arms grew tired, then the Amalekites were winning. And so the text says, and Aaron and her came up alongside him, one on one side and one on the other, and they lifted his arms so he could continue to proclaim that God is the victor. He could continue to proclaim that God is the one that brings life, that God is the one that we need. And so his hands stayed steady, it says, until sunset and they won the battle. Listen, church, nobody wants to be part of a little social club called Marin Covenant. We gather together for the courage that we need, where somebody will help us, many people will help us hold up our arms and acknowledge that he is our hope. He's the one that life comes from, and he's what we need. This is the beginning of that kind of living together in relationship. That's encouragement. So we gather together for that kind of encouragement The text also says, it starts with, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You see, we gather together not only for encouragement, to be spurred on as well. This is a little bit of a, there's a shade of meaning that's different here. That word spurred on, nowhere else is it used in the New Testament in a positive way. It literally means something along the lines of irritation or or, um, uh, frustration. Frustrate, like spurred. Like, have you anybody here like ride horses? Like, it's that like prodding, poking, painful. Like, we're going this way. This is not an easy. This is actually not an easy, easy phrase to to receive. He's like, let us figure out how we can kick each other to keep going to the place where it gets a little irritating. There's a little famous word called accountability that everybody hates, and maybe that's the right word to use for this. But it's that idea that we would, in fact, not be able to follow through with what it is that we want to do, that we're going to need people in our lives to be like, no, no, that's not who you are. No, no, let's go. I know this is painful, but let's keep going. Man, I'll never forget the time that my best friend called me to his office for a meeting. And I sat across his desk from him. I'm like, what are we doing here? And he's like, man... At the time, I was young. I was, I was dating a- anyway. <laughs> this is what he said to me. Bro, that's not who you are. And that 
line, much less the conversation changed my life. How you're living right now, bro, that's not who you are. Let me irritate you into being all that you're supposed to be. Let me give you a little bit of a painful nudge to go, no, no, keep going, because what was in your heart was right. You see how it's the same kind of thing as this encouragement idea? But you got to keep moving. You got to keep going the direction. You made choices to make these commitments. You made these vows before the Lord. You said that you wanted in your heart to use your gifts to serve him. You said you wanted to be a pure man of God. You said, like, so let's go. We gather together, you guys, to spur one another on. I love the bicycle image of this. I just think that's the best. Any cyclists in the room? And you got somebody behind you or telling you, listen, let's go. Let's keep going. Let's do this. My guys, we all went riding together two years ago. We went, to, we went on this epic ride in Spain, my, my group. And on the first day of that ride, I don't know if Rick is in this room. I'm going to throw him under the bus. Rick did not have a good day. And I watched as the other four guys would loop back and ride alongside him. And while he was muttering, like, I'm going home. I wonder if I can change my flight. I, this is the stupidest idea ever. You didn't tell me the hills were going to be this big. I, I'm jet lag. I'm, I'm high. I. Rick had a, he struggled day one. This was a dream of ours to go do this together. But the guys one by one looped around and rode next to him and said, oh, no, no, no. You got this. This is what we're doing together. Now, the fascinating thing about that story is six days later, when Todd had torn his Achilles tendon, his Achilles tendon and, uh, uh, and Ken was so chafed that he couldn't sit on his seat anymore, <laughs> it was Rick who was riding alongside them going, oh, no, man, we're going to do this. We're going to finish strong. This dream that God put in our hearts, we're going to finish this together. Come on now, does that not ignite something inside your soul? See, we gather together for encouragement, a form of that as we gather together to spur one another on. And then last, we gather together for spiritual power. We gather together for spiritual power because it isn't just that there's energy in somebody saying, you got this, man, or there's not just that there's energy or beauty in being in this room together and, 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 and 250 voices are way cooler than just hearing my own voice. Like, it's not just that there's energy there. There's literally spiritual power that we're plugged into when we're gathered together. Do you know that? Do you understand that from the scripture's teaching? This is the theology of, the whole, of, of spiritual gifts, friends. I mean, you can go study this on your own and, uh, and go read it. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, Romans 12, 1 Peter 4. Google spiritual gifts and you can read it. But here's the concept. The concept is that by his Holy Spirit in us, when we say yes to the good news of Jesus, his Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. When we say yes to salvation, forgiveness in Jesus, we receive the gift of his Holy Spirit who's in us. And when his Holy Spirit is in us, we're supernaturally empowered to build up and strengthen his people. That means you're built, up, then you are supernaturally empowered to build up and strengthen me and them and them and them and you them and you them and you them. And that's why we want you to be connected because there's spiritual power, 
Holy Spirit power by us being connected to one another. That's spiritual gifts. And specifically, it is a reality that then when we get in a room like this or you get in a fellowship of any kind of a small group or a, or a class together or a ministry team or any of those things, that when that happens, listen, we are anointed. God's Spirit covers us with his power and his presence. He comes into the midst very simple psalm. Ben preached on this a year and a half ago. I preached on it like five years ago. It's just a really, Psalm 133 is one of the psalms of a sense that the, um, the Israelites would sing on their way up to Jerusalem in this, the, the three times a year that the, the um, people of Israel would gather together for corporate festivals. But look at the words in this psalm about this idea of, of, um, of power, of living together. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Yeah, it's a blessing when God's people are together, for sure. Then verse two, it's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. Now stop there for a minute. Go back to verse, to verse two, yeah. Verse one says, man, when God's people live together, it's awesome. That's verse one. Verse two, it's like oil. What's oil, friends, in the scriptures? What's oil a symbol of? The Holy Spirit. So it's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard. Anybody know who Aaron is? He's the brother of Moses. He's the first priest. He's the first one of God's people who positioned himself. What do priests do? They help gather people and bring them into the presence of God. Gathering together, the scripture said, is like oil running down over your priestly head. It's like the Holy Spirit coming on you and anointing. And it's not just anointing the way we anointed you on Good Friday, I mean on Ash Wednesday. It's not like anointing of a little oil on your forehead. It's running down. It's pouring on the head. It's dripping off the beard. It's coming down onto the robe. It's soaked in Holy Spirit power. When God's people live together, verse 1 says, it's like the Holy Spirit getting poured out on you in such abundance so that you can do your priestly ministry of helping everybody near you get closer to Jesus. Oh, it's early. I, that would have, it should have gotten an amen for that. Amen. That's powerful, church, that God has anointed you to strengthen those around you by his power, not your own, to be the people of God. Verse three goes on to celebrate it. It says that that's as if the dew of Hermon, the dew on the mountains, the refreshing life-giving dew that comes in the coolness of the heights, the highest place in Israel. It's as if the dew that falls there were not falling there in the mountains where it falls all the time. It's as if it were falling on Mount Zion where it's dry. It's as if the dew of heaven, it's as if the, the life, the refreshment of heaven comes down to real life. When God's people gather together, the Holy Spirit gets poured out in power on one another so that the power and blessing of heaven gets, comes down into real life. Oh, I'm gonna say that again on this side. Come on now. When God's people gather together, 
The Holy Spirit gets poured all over you so that in power, life from heaven comes down into everybody's real life and we draw near to God. There's no way to be God's people on this earth. There's no way for you to walk faithfully in blessing and in power and in your gifts unless you gather together with the other people so that his Holy Spirit comes. We gather together for power. So two quick thoughts as I got to quit. So we're, we're gathered together for courage. We gather together to spur one another on. And we gather together because that's where power and life is found. But two more quick thoughts from the text. One, it says, so look at, consider how you can spur one another on toward this love and, toward love and good deeds. Consider how you can keep people going toward being the people that, that, that God has them to be. And don't give up meeting together. That's the contrast. Don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And I know some, it says, have gotten into the habit of not being a part of it, not gathering, not being with other Christians, not a, a, a being in, in the place where those gifts can all manifest themselves and so power can come. Some people have gotten in the habit of that, man. Is that not just so true to real life that some have fallen into that habit? Have you not experience that where you just go, God, we just fell into the habit and all of a sudden, now listen, this is the definition of me preaching to the choir because you are here. <laughs> There's a global pandemic, the stock market is in ruins, it's daylight savings and it's the early service and you are here. <laughs> but don't give up the habit of meeting together. Don't let that creep in. And so this encouragement, even if I got to encourage you as the choir, you got to do what it takes to get here. You got to do what it takes to get here. And this is just the beginning to get with people, God's people, because we gather for encouragement and spring one another on in power. Don't give up the habit of meeting together. And so in all the way that we do freedom here at Marine Covenant, all the way that we do freedom in today's life and church, and we're so fearful of anybody ever feeling like we're going to fall into legalism. We're so fearful that anybody would feel judged. We're so fearful that anybody would be like, back off, dude, I'll do what I want. I know, I know, I know. But the scriptures command us with all of this good news, don't give up the habit of meeting together. Don't, don't do that. Don't give up meeting together as some have fallen into the habit of doing. Figure it out. You can't afford to not be with God's people. And let me give you this. If you've got kids, they cannot afford to be raised without being in the middle of God's people. All right, second thought from the text, and now I'm done because I'm already over by 15 seconds. <laughs> it says, but encourage one another. Encouraging one another, the text says, on all the more as you see the day approaching. All the more. I, love, I like that general encouragement from the scriptures. Hey, do this and do it all the more. Meaning, there's more to be had. We want to maximize this being together. All the more, meaning, yeah, more, like more times for sure, because we're taking attendance. We've got video cameras, we check your name. No, we don't. <laughs> it means all the more for sure, but it means more like more, like, like not just because you know that all the things I'm speaking about here, that stuff happens not just in this room. In fact, mostly it happens when we're in more intimate fellowships. That's why we say, you got to be connected in a smaller group to grow best. So be gathered all the more. What does it look like for you to find your people? 
to find your people. My daughter was with us this weekend from Sacramento. She, because we had a, uh, our other daughter had a birthday party and she came and hung out with us. And the, last night she said, well, I'm headed out. It's like 8.30. I'm like, where are you going? Aren't you going to stay? And she's like, oh no, I got to go to my church tomorrow and be with my people. Who are your people? So let me just leave you with this challenge. Maybe it's a Lenten experience. You should maybe sit down and write down the people who know and love Jesus that are encouraging you, that are spurring you on, and that bring you power because of their gifts. And write down the people that you're encouraging and you're spurring on and that you're bringing power to. Because listen, I'm fearful that that list will be truthfully way, way, way smaller than we want to admit. And I'm not, I mean, we'll go, I got friends. The average, right now, Americans say they have an average of 16 friends. Did you know that? 16 friends. Eight of them are people that they wouldn't mind hanging out with, that, um, but they don't really want to hang out with them one-on-one. Five of them are people that they, uh, they don't hang out with them one-on-one, but they'd be willing to. Now, how are those friends? <laughs> and three of them, they call lifelong friends that they met growing up in high school or in college. How many of your friends that you're still from growing up high school, college, you still talking to? Couple. That's a small circle. And how many of those people know Jesus? Point is, you may need to embark on some new relationships that bring you power and encouragement and accountability. The Lenten challenge, what do you got to do to lean into that? Hey, we've got Explorers course. That's for folks that have learned about our church. Come next Sunday and you'll, get, you'll, you'll gather, you'll meet some people, you'll learn how to get connected in our church. Courtney's, Pastor Courtney's starting a new class on the gifts of imperfection going through from a Jesus perspective, the Brene Brown book. We've got the Yosemite trip coming up. We've got a father and son camping trip. Like all those are places for you and many others to connect with one another and start to build these relationships. Hashtag Sunday fun day. Why we do what we do? We gather together because in that God brings power and life. May it be so.